Hello, this is Heather Jibo, one of the deacons from the Virgin's Congregational Church. This podcast includes portions of our service from August 14, 2022. Today, we have some special guests at church. The Reverend Skip Masbach joins us, as well as our special musician, Julie Lindorf, on piano and organ. Today's scripture lessons are from Psalm chapter 27, verses 7 through 14, and then also Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28. Good morning. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Or as Gary used to say, whoa, you're here? I'm here. Let's, 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 let's do this thing. All right. Welcome to the Congregational Church of Regens. As you have undoubtedly noticed, I am not Elliot Munn. My name is Skip Masbach and... Elliot is on a well-deserved vacation, but we are going to worship the Lord with joy and thanksgiving today together. Let's take a moment of silence to prepare ourselves for worship, and we'll continue with our call to worship. We lift up our eyes to the Lord. From where will our help come? He will not let your feet be moved. He who keeps us will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will not slumber. The 
Lord is our shade at our right hand. The sun shall not strike us by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep our going out and our coming in from this time and forevermore. Amen. Join me in our gathering prayer, a prayer that's 800 years old from St. Anselm. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, grant us grace to desire thee with our whole heart, that so desiring we may seek, and seeking find thee, and so finding thee may love thee, and loving thee may hate those sins from which thou hast redeemed us. Amen. Let's hold it right there because I'm just going to we're going to do the words first. All right. Here are the words. Wait for the Lord whose day is near. Wait for the Lord whose day is near. Can you say that with me? Ready? Wait for the Lord whose day is near. And the second line, just as easy. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Ready? Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Okay, Julie, let's do this together. We'll just do it until the Holy Spirit tells us to stop. Today's first scripture reading comes from Psalm chapter 27, verses 7 through 14, and this can be found on page 437 in your pew Bible. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Mm. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You, have, you who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. 
Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And the next reading comes from Romans, chapter 8, verses 26 through 28, and this can be found on page 919 in your pew Bible. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that, it all, we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Would you join with me in prayer? O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I read a story in the Washington Post two weeks ago about how bees communicate where they have found food. When they return to the hive, the foragers dance out a code by which they communicate the direction, the gravity, and even the relative direction of the sun. How cool is that? But of course, it's not just bees. Crows, whales, even squid communicate with code. In fact, throughout the animal kingdom, critters are endowed by their creator with codes to help them meet their most urgent needs. God made it a bit simpler for us by giving us the gift of speech. I can just spout a glib pattern of words to guide you down to great pork belly bites at Porky's on Route 7. But what about our deepest spiritual needs? How do we find comfort in the midst of suffering? Hope in the midst of despair? Faith in the midst of uncertainty. Now the mysteries of life are too dense for glib speech, and you can't ask Alexa or Siri or your GPS for directions to God's consolation. But we can find spiritual direction in our sacred text. So over 20 years ago, I started making margin notes in my Bible every time I prayed my way through the Psalms. I wanted to see if the psalmist had left us a spiritual pattern, a code, or directions for finding our way through the greatest challenges of life. The notes got so thick that it got harder and harder and harder to even read the Bible, but slowly patterns did emerge. Sometimes the codes are harder to make out than others, but since you folks are smarter than the average bear, see if you can see the pattern, the code, in the following. From Psalm 6, 
My soul also is struck with terror, while you, O Lord, how long? From Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? From Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? From Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning. Or from today's reading, Psalm 27, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me, answer me. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn away your servant in anger. Do you see the code? It's the very first step in one of the most common patterns in the Psalms. In 55, in 55 of 150 Psalms, before the psalmist encounters God, before the psalmist experiences consolation, the psalmist cries out for deliverance. The psalmist cries out for God's presence. The psalmist cries out from the depths of the psalmist's heart. As my Old Testament professor Ellen Davis wrote, it seems that ancient Israel believed that the kind of prayer we most need fluency in is the loud groan. And they have bequeathed us a lot of material with which to practice. The 55 Psalms aren't all the same. Sometimes there's more sorrow, sometimes there's more anger, sometimes consolation comes more quickly, sometimes more slowly, sometimes much more slowly. But every single one of them shares the following. In every single one of these 55 psalms, there is a personal or communal catastrophe. In every single one of them, there is a tone of lament or dereliction. In every single one of them, the psalmist is crying out loud. In every single one of them, the cry leads eventually to comfort in the midst of suffering, hope in the midst of despair, faith in the midst of uncertainty. Now, we all know something about crying out loud, for we all have had or will have our cup of sorrow. And we've all known this impulse to cry out loud, but in our Yankee culture, crying out loud seems to have gotten a bad name. At best, it can seem whiny at work, or, or worse. And sometimes it will be interpreted as betraying a lack of faith in God. When I meet folks who have been struck with tragedy, they almost never begin by crying out loud. They start by saying things, well, if God is in this, I, I sure don't know where. Or, I'm not saying I'm mad at God, but... Or, it hasn't shaken my faith, but I simply nod and listen to them tell me where they are and how they're getting through the day. But sooner or later, if I give them enough time and space and they sense enough permission, a deeper lament and a deeper anger percolates up. How could God let this happen? I don't know if I can believe in a God who does something like this. 
Or how does God expect me to get through this? And when I hear these words, when I can join them in this place of pain, of anger, of dereliction, I know we are finally getting down to it. I know we are finally crying out loud. With these 55 psalms, the psalmists have left us a precious spiritual gift, a code that still blesses God's people in three ways. First, they validate the practice of crying out loud by drawing us into solidarity with our spiritual ancestors. Second, they establish the practice of crying out loud as a gift of grace and a form of faith rather than apostasy. And finally, they encourage our heartfelt cries as a doorway to a deeper faith and relationship with our God. Let's take a look at these one by one. First, these psalms validate the spiritual practice of crying out loud by drawing us into solidarity with our spiritual ancestors. Think how tempting, how tempting it must have been to our ancestors to clean up their spiritual legacy by editing out all the times they were whiny, weak, angry, skeptical. It's astonishing to me that they didn't leave us a story that went something like this. O ye who read our tale, know that we who composed these psalms experienced great blessings and suffered great afflictions. But our faith never weakened. We felt the power of God in our midst at all times and never wavered in our love for our Creator. It might have been tempting for them to have cleaned up their legacy, but we should literally thank God that they did not. The heroes of our faith gave full-throated voice to their laments. They gave crying out loud a good name so that we might give heartfelt voice to our laments as well. Second, these psalms establish the impulse to cry out loud as a gift of grace and a form of faith rather than apostasy. Now, I know it might seem odd to lift up cries of despair and anger as forms of grace and faith, but we've got pretty good authority for doing so. You see, the essence of faith is relationship, hope, trust. We don't cry out and rage at gods we don't believe in. Nobody in our modern times has ever shaken their fist at the sky and raged at Zeus. As Paul wrote in Romans 8.15, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And as Paul wrote in Romans 26 that Carolyn read, likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Do you see how profound this is? I read Paul as saying that every heartfelt cry to God actually begins with grace. I read Paul as saying that the very yearning in our hearts, the very hunger we feel for God, the very desire for God's consolation is itself a gracious gift from God. 
When we cry out to God, it's really God's spirit moving through us and carrying our yearning back to God. As a great 17th century mathematician and spiritualist, Blaise Pascal wrote, Thou wouldst not seek him if thou hadst not already found him. Or if you prefer a more mundane illustration from the great theologian Emma Bombeck, she writes the time she came out of the supermarket with three kids in tow, pushing a cart when her toddler son got away from her. She writes, just outside the door, he ran toward a machine holding bubble gum and a glass dome, and in a voice that shattered glass, he shouted, gimme, gimme. I told him I would give him what for if he didn't quit shouting and get back in the car. As I physically tried to pry his body from around the bubblegum machine, he pulled the entire thing over. <laughs> Glass and balls of bubblegum went all over the parking lot. We had now attracted a sizable crowd. <laughs> I told him he would never see a cartoon again as long as he lived. And if he didn't control his temper, he was going to be making license plates for the state. He tried to stifle his sobs as he looked around at the now staring crowd. Then he did something I was to remember for the rest of my life. In his helpless quest for comfort, he turned to the only one he trusted his emotions with. He threw his arms around my knees and he held on for dear life. I had humiliated him, chastised him, berated him, and he, I was still all he had. That single incident defined my role. I was a major force in that child's life. When our affliction drives us running toward God, when we cry out loud with lament, dereliction, or even anger, we are affirming that we are in relationship with God, that we have expectations of God, that God is a major force in our life. We are affirming faith. Finally, these psalms encourage our heartfelt cries as a doorway to a deeper faith and relationship with God. You see, it seems the life of faith is more like a journey than a one-time decision or a declaration. And even a heartfelt cry of lament is a first step on that journey that can lead to more. Thomas Merton put it this way, we puzzle over the mystery of why some people experience the presence of Christ and some don't. And we assign this mystery to what we call grace. But the real mystery is why some people hunger for, yearn for, desire the presence of Christ, and some do not. We ought to call this hunger the grace of desire. For wherever this grace of desire is given, the hope in God's presence will eventually follow, just as it did in those 55 Psalms. When our suffering crushes our self-reliance and reduces us to what Bombeck called a helpless quest for comfort, when we cry out loud with all our hearts, we are following in the spiritual footsteps of the psalmist. When we call out for God's comfort from the depths of our souls, we are taking our last stands on one of Christ's greatest promises. Seek, and ye shall find. Ask, and it shall be answered. Knock, 
and it shall be open unto you. So my friends, if you are suffering this morning, here is the good news. If you have already experienced intimations of God's love, rejoice, for Christ's spirit is with you. But if instead of consolation, all you have experienced is a deep, unanswered yearning for God, then take a measure of comfort in knowing that your very desire for God means that God has already started God's work within you. And even if, even if you have never experienced that yearning and only wish that you had, you still might give thanks because even that wish is a first sign of God's presence. My friends, the good news is that God only asks you to start wherever you are on your path home to God. God will meet you right there and guide you the rest of the way home. Cry out loud with whatever little mustard seed of desire you have and pray for a bit more. As a saint, a saint prayed 400 years ago, oh my God, I do not love thee. Oh my God, I do not want to love thee. But oh my God, I want to want to love thee. And that proved enough for a start. Would you join me in saying again the prayer with which we began the service? O Lord, our God, grant us grace to desire thee with our whole heart, that so desiring we may seek, and seeking find thee, and so finding thee may love thee, and loving thee may hate those sins from which thou hast redeemed us. Amen. All right, would you join me in prayer? Gracious God of creation, God of providence, God of eternal care, how often you promise us in scripture, in spiritual communion in him, in our Lord's prayer, that our souls may be still for you are on our side. That no matter how the winds and waves may come up in life, all are safe and blessed. And we shall meet you at last. We hear your promise and in our most trusting, our most faithful, our most peaceful moments, our heart do rest in trust and hope and freedom in you. But how quickly these moments evanesce when we are again battered by the waves and winds of life. We hunker down, clutching to the gunnels of our small lives, tacking into the storm as if it all depends on us. Losing trust in you, we are awash in concerns for our own survival and the health and welfare of those we love. We so often live our lives in bondage to our anxieties and fears. So this morning, Lord, we pray that you would bless to us the gift of faith and set us free from fearful fretting. Bless to us the gift of trust in Christ, 
and free us from excessive care and concern about ourselves, from fixations with our health, from consumption with our anxiety, from constant worry over money. Fear us from fear of the future and teach us to trust in you, to turn to you, to cry out to you. Remind us, we pray, O Lord, that which we so easily forget. Remind us of your constant care for us. Remind us of your loving forgiveness of us. Remind us of your bold acceptance for us just as we are. Remind us that when the waves and winds batter our lives, you stand before us, your arms reaching out to us, bidding us to come, bidding us to trust in you, bidding us to let go our fears, bidding us to let thy will be done. Lord, make us free, and we shall be free indeed. Free us for greater concern for the needs of others, particularly the poor, those who have not been blessed with our opportunities, those for whom life has been difficult. Free us for service to the world beyond our family and friends. Show each of us the little things we can do to make life more bearable, the world more lovable for those who've experienced much pain and ugliness in life. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make the Lord's face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of the Lord's countenance upon you and give you peace and joy this day and forevermore. Amen.